Welcome, Welcome to, arcade to Arcade Attack. Player one, please press start. Gentlemen, start your engines. Player two has now entered the game. Player three, choose your weapon. another Arcade Attack episode, so thank you for tuning in, listeners. I'm joined, as ever, with my trusty Lieutenant Dylan. Hello, listeners. Hello, Lieutenant Dylan. Lieutenant Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Keith as well. Just Keith, not like Sergeant Keith. No, just, just Keith. <laughs> You're a civilian. Phil Marshall Barlow. Yeah, Hello. <laughs> and, our, and our special guest is back for another week, good old Rob. Hey, and now the podcast has turned 21, anything goes. <laughs> anything yeah. goes. It's fully legal. Anything goes. In any country, not just UK. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. Dreamcast games. We like them. They're nice. We like yeah, Dreamcast, we like Dreamcast games. What, what's, who can name me some rare slash valuable Dreamcast games? Anyone, anyone to chuck any of your ideas? I can name a couple that I know it. of. Ikaruga, that's quite rare. Never heard of it. Just to shoot them up. Um, it's kind of like a follow-on from Radiant Silver Gun, which was on Saturn. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's a, like a vertical shooting get, shoot em up game. And your shit, you can switch the colour of your ship. Okay. And you have, we have white, I don't know if they call it light and dark or white and black. We have white enemies and black enemies and white bullets and black bullets. And you can switch the colour of your ship between the two. Wow. And you do, so while your ship is white... The dark, the black bullets don't do you any harm. Wow, that's interesting. And vice versa. And they, you cause more damage depending on which colour. So you have, it's kind of really tactical, so as well as constantly dodging enemies, you're switching between the two. It's quite hard work, but it's quite fun. I've played it in the arcade. Oh, nice. But that's I quite think, rare. Yeah. That's quite and rare. I think Keith gets kudos for actually saying vice versa rather than vice versa. Vice versa? Yeah. Who's said because vice versa? It's because people I can say speak it all English. the time. Vice versa. Yeah. So, well done, Keith. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Kudos points. Well done. <laughs> I don't know any Ray Dreamcast game. Sorry, mate. Well, the game that good old Keith described does sound pretty interesting. Do you, do you know one? You uh, no, I don't. No, I, I thought you were about to. Uh, so I, no, I thought we thought I was just going to dig something out. <laughs> I was I was trying to get Daytona on it for it the other day, but that was only like thirty quid. I wouldn't yeah, say it's that not was super rare. rare. It's not super rare, is it? Do you? Well, apparently, there was like a space. You know, Space Channel Five. Have you seen the original Space Channel Five on Dreamcast? No. It's kind of a weird rhythm game. Oh, okay, but oh, there was yeah, like a great. Space Channel Five Part Two Limited Edition, which apparently is really rare. Oh, that's expensive. There you go. Then there you go. There's two. Arguably, though, the rarest slash most valuable uh, Dreamcast game is actually quite a common game that a lot of people would have heard of, would, would have played what? on the PC what? and even the PS2. I'm talking Half-Life. What? <laughs> there was a Dreamcast version of Half-Life. What? <laughs> well, Are you serious, Adrian? <laughs> I am being serious. The story goes that 
the game was developed on the Dreamcast. It's it already been released on the, on, on the PCs. A huge game. It was fully complete. And just before production was about to begin, taken away. Okay, I think wow. Sega and Valve fell out about some arguments, some lawsuits, and the game was pulled. No. But a few, a few American games, I believe, the American versions are available. They they were they they got released, and I'm talking very few. I'm talking thousands. I think they're going for thousands of pounds these days. It's absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. If you can see a copy, you, you've done well. Wow. <clears throat> well, we're we're, we're unlikely existed. to see one in the wild. Well, I I had a. We go on eBay now, then, don't we? We check out what's going on. It's true. Yeah. yeah. We do. We like to check out what's <laughs> going on. And I thought to myself, because I was, I was thinking I want to do a bit of a Half-Life podcast. I think I just type in Dreamcast Half-Life, see what comes up. And guess what I saw for £10? £10? No. I saw a copy of Half-Life on the Dreamcast. Oh my God, it's here. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. It's right here in my house. Wow. But I, are you ready to this is call not, me an idiot? Are you ready to be disappointed? This, <laughs> is, it this is not a genuine <laughs> copy. No, no, I can tell you that. I, no, it's not. I, I went on eBay and I thought, oh, someone's put this on. Someone's put this on. Like a buy it now, ten pounds. <laughs> Keeps opening it up. It looks dodgy. Aww. And I, without even thinking, yeah, yeah, there's kind of motion. You think, oh, oh someone <laughs> must put this on a second ago. I'm going to buy it now. And all of a sudden, I thought, no, what have I done? I've done a bit more, <laughs> a bit more research. I obviously bought. It's not. It's an obvious copy, isn't it? It's very clear. It's ridiculous. Oh. So you yeah. could argue ten pound wasted, but does it work? Does it, it work? Does, it does work. Hmm. So it's so it's not ten pounds wasted. It's, it's not a game not, out of it's it. It's not the original one, but <laughs> it's. I thought. Oh, you really had me going. I did, didn't I? Oh, I was, I was like, yanking your chain for a bit. Oh then. man. Um, Even just looking at it is pretty amazing. It's a, I might have to put a picture on Twitter. You about... should stick that on eBay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow it? You can borrow it. You can try yeah, it out. Yeah, I'm going to borrow it. Um, look, it was a silly mistake. I had a bit of a blonde moment, not even thinking. <laughs> and I think it's the only American version of Dreamcast, and they're very few and far between. But obviously some, they've got hold of the actual um, the ROM, the actual sort of yeah, how data, yeah. and they, they can now burn it onto Dreamcast. So it's, it is available. Yeah, you can actually enjoy it on Dreamcast. Is that, I, I think it's worth you know, you pay 10 quid for it, I think it's worth more than 10 no. quid. Yeah, but, but already, I own it on the PS2 and the PC, so that was, oh. was that a waste of money? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Dreamcast version might be better. Uh, it might be, and actually, actually I'll come better to it later. PC version? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you could argue that there's something in the Dreamcast version that's quite interesting, I'll come to that later. So today's podcast, I want to talk about Half-Life. It's a game that I, I would... I would probably argue you could make a good argument that it's the best first person shooter ever made at the time okay it, it absolutely incredible game it's a game that I remember buying uh, buying and playing on the PC many many years ago and it, it blew my mind it really did blow my mind how many PC game of the year awards do you think Half-Life won back in 1998 most of them <laughs> it did win most of them, most of them so in 1998 slash 99 it was heralded as an amazing game. It, it, do you have a guess? Uh, 11. More than 11. 12. More than 12. <laughs> 30. 50. Huh? 50 Game over, of the Year Over 50, over 50 uh, PC Game of the Year awards. It is considered one of the best video games of all time. And actually, I like this. I, I, I've stolen this little quote from IGN. They basically said that the history of the first-person shooter genre can be broken down very simply... Uh, pre Half Life and past uh, and post Half Life games. Wow. So pre Half Life, I'm talking uh, the, the original Dooms, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, yeah. Duke and Freddy, yeah. and Quake, the, yeah, Quake, the, the first Quake. You know, great games. And I, I did an episode on um, Duke 3D. You know how much I like that game. Yeah. But this game, Half Life, just took things forward. It took it, it took that genre and added a story to it. It added a bit more sophistication to it and I, I, I've been playing it just today I've been playing it recently again to get back into it. it 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 plays as well now as it did those many many years ago in 1998 it is widely widely regarded as the best PC game ever hmm. now that that's really? a, honestly it's a massive claim wow. it, it, but you could almost argue it's the game that really got a lot of people into PC gaming you know it's it's ridiculously popular game well, it launched Valve didn't it really you know what 
I was going to come into that. It was Valve's first ever game. Hmm. They never released a game before that. It's their debut title. <clears throat> and I was thinking to myself, is there any developer that has released a better debut game than, than Half-Life? A yeah, more the greatest game. PC game of all time. Yeah. Oh, similar theme. What? Bungie? Was, was, was their first game Halo? Am I, am I going mm-hmm. mad? Maybe. Or did they? They probably did stuff before that, actually. Maybe. It's the first game of no. But yeah, I don't know. Debut, yeah. I can't think of any other debut. So, didn't, because I read the Wikipedia page of Half-Life, because I've never played it. Right. So I read the Wikipedia page ahead of uh, the podcast. Didn't they use the Quake engine for the That's game? Right. They did. They took the original Quake engine and they added stuff to it and they just pushed it onto another level. But yeah, they did. They, they altered this Quake engine a lot, but they, that was the original kind of thing they're working with. So, look, I, I like Quake. I, I think it's a good game, but there wasn't much story to it. I like Doom. Not loads mm. of story, even Duke Nukem what? 3D. The, well, what, Doom has man. a great story. You're a space marine, kill the bad guys. Oh, yep. Space, space marine. Space yeah, Marine no. loses his love in all the demons and then he has to fight the demons <laughs> and then he raises love. Well, not really, that's not really the story. It's just making sure people are listening. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? <laughs> well, look, Half-Life is, is strongly praised, or was at the time strongly praised for its high graphics, innovative gameplay and a, a very involving storytelling. And I'll come to that later, but it's very unique in, in, at the time about how they told the story. I told you it was released in 1998. The exact date was November the 19th, if you want the exact date. But actually, it could have, it could have been released a year before. Apparently, Valve were working this game for a number of, you know, a good, good year or two uh, before it was released. And that they were almost ready to release it in 1997. But they basically said, it's not quite good enough. We need to start from scratch and really push out this game to the next level. So imagine if they released a sort of half-hearted Half-Life excuse the very dodgy pun there, a year before. It would never have the same impact as it did now. So it just shows you Valve. You know, they, they took a, they must have taken a bit of a hit with the money, maybe, not to put the game up earlier. But fair play to them. A great, a great decision. How many copies have been sold of Half-Life, would you estimate? <clears throat> Most of them. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I've only got Somehow. numbers up to 2008, which is a bit weird. Is it random. across all platforms, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. One million. <laughs> one billion copies. <laughs> well, I swear we do that at least once a podcast. I think it's around. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. That, <laughs> that joke never gets sold. It's roughly around sort of 10 million copies by 2008. So big, big, big game. Damn. It was, like I said, ported to the PS2 in 2001. And it was, it, it was finally followed up with a sequel in 2004, Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2 is amazing. I will not talk too much about Half-Life 2 today. I might save that for a future pod. I think it deserves it. But but Half-Life 1 did spawn a few se- uh, did spawn the sequel and there's been lots of debates about the third one. We can talk about that again in the future. Yeah, it is it was the fir- the highest ever uh, far highest ever selling first person shooter of all time until what game? What game took the mantle? It's, I'll give you a little clue in 2011. Call of Duty. Boom, correct. Nice. That was well done, Keith. That was the game that took over. Before that, Half-Life was the biggest selling first yeah. person shooter. And like like uh, Rob was saying, its its engine is heavily modified version of the Quake engine uh, licensed from our friends at, at, at id Software. So what other games were using that kind of mechanism at the time? Uh, obviously Quake at the time. I know obviously Duke Nukem 3D was a similar sort of build engine, but mm. Quake was the one they were really sort of pushing the boat out. Um, do you know who who's the main guy in Half Life? Who do you actually control? I didn't know his first Gordon name. Gordon Freeman. Well done, Doctor. Rob's memorised that Freeman. <laughs> no, I actually knew that. <laughs> I knew his name was Gordon. <laughs> He's not your typical um, all action guns blazing shoot 'em up kind of action hero. He's different, isn't he? He's not a Duke Nukem. He's not a space marine, you know, from Doom. He is a doctor. He's a doctor. He's an educated man. He looks a bit like Frankie Boyle. He looks a bit like Frankie Paul. <laughs> he does a little bit. He's um... no. He looks. I tell you, he looks like he looks like the Damon Hill on the cover of his new book. Doesn't yeah, what well, Damon Hill with his goatee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damon Hill loves a goatee now. He looks exactly like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll save a little. I'll, I'll give you a little fact already. But do you know what? You wouldn't know it looking at the cover, but good old Doctor Gordon Freeman does actually have a ponytail. It's you can. <laughs> 
Once it's a little bit. It's the 90s. It's, it's the 90s, Keith. I don't think it's Frankie the late Boyle. 90s, though. Yeah. I don't think 90s. Frankie Boyle has a has a ponytail. You, you can see he's got a ponytail. It doesn't look like he has a ponytail. Well, th- it's like he's at, got a short back and sides. You're looking at a dodgy dream I'm looking, copy. Yeah. But yeah, it, apparently, well, you can, I'll explain how you can see the, the, the ponytail later. Right. Gameplay. The gameplay is absolutely incredible. It is so fluid. I remember playing it back in the late 90s and just being blown away how crisp the game looked, how easy it was to maneuver. It was so sort of, the controls are incredible. If you point at your gun wherever you wanted to, such really top, top gameplay. Mm. I, I, it, it basically, you know, Doom was a little bit clunky, you know, left and right, you know, and Duke Nukem was good, you can sort of put your gun wherever you wanted with the mouse, but this took it to another level, it's so crisp, so, so crisp. And actually, the game follows the perils of Dr. Gordon Freeman, and he must overcome an interdimensional alien invade, uh, invasion after a teleportation experiment goes dis- disastrously wrong. <laughs> it's, it's great, and when you first start the game, you guys know this, don't you, where, where do you first start the game? You're in the facility, you're going down. Yeah. Before you get in the facility, what are you on? You're on the little train thing. The train. Oh, so you are in the facility, yeah. Black, Black Mesa. Black Mesa. Yeah. Mm. And you're, you're actually late for work. Oh, no. A bit late for work. Oh. Good, old, good old Dr. Freeman running late for work. He's getting the train. Um, and the, it must be about five, ten minutes. But in this train, you can't really do much. But what, what you're doing is you can walk around, you can sort of practice your keys, I can jump here, duck here. But you're stuck in this little train and you, you go through. The actual uh, the facility that it's a bit like Area 51. I think it's sort of based on this kind of scientific, uh, huge building, a little bit secretive, and it you see you go through different levels, which actually are different people, and, and and you see different sort of vehicles in the background moving around, doing little jobs. You can turn a sort of space age kind of scientific, proper high tech area, and it's beautiful. You know, you, you just. What I like about it, it is gorgeous to look at when you're in the train and you're looking yeah. out and but, looking through the. Yeah, it's the one city. of like I think we, yeah, it's one of the all-time great like iconic kind of yeah. parts Stop of gaming. Game. But because you know I've only played it, do you actually go to those areas later on? You do. So, Some of those areas you will actually turn up in the future, and it's it's, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, what I like about it is, and I think this is really clever. I'm, I, I might be wrong, but I think this is the first game that did this. There is no cutscenes in this game. No cutscenes. Hmm. So there's a huge story so as, as you well. play it through. Yeah. How can a game with such a good story, which I'll talk about later, mm. have no cutscenes? How would you think? It's, it's a really ambitious idea, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but basically, the, the cutscenes are such, or when the story sort of moves on, you're, you're actually physically controlling Gordon. So you're walking yeah. around. You have to look at people. You to look hear at people. people. And if you walk too far away, you, you can't hear what yeah. they're saying. It's quieter. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking just recently, I don't think anyone's played Half-Life um, exactly like anyone else ever in the world because even little things about you, you see different angles, do you understand? You walk around, you're seeing different angles, different things going on, and when things are happening in the background, it's, it's how you are viewing it by mm. moving the, the mouse and the keyboard. I, I really, really thought it was quite incredible. There are, like I said, there are scripted sequences. If you get to do certain tasks or you press certain buttons, things will happen, but like I said earlier, you can see those things happen how you want to see it. You can run around and just keep watching forward. It is great. And what, what's so good about it, and because there's no cutscenes, there's also no official levels as well. So you're mm. playing the game from start to finish, and there's oh, no okay. clear, you've completed level one. Well done. Mm. Do it's it? just the whole story. Whole story yeah. from start to okay, finish. Yeah, yeah. There are little bits of little text that comes up going, you know, what well, t- explains where you are. Mm. But it's simple. And it, the text goes away. It just blend, blends away really nicely. And I did mention it, guys, but the whole screen is is basically there's no kind of additional side bits to the screen there's a little uh, it, it tells you your bullets it tells you your health your armour mm. what gun you've got but that's about that's it. it the yeah. whole screen is open up you really think you you are the Dr Gordon Freeman controlling uh, this character absolutely absolutely incredible um, there are you know when you kind of got through to a sort of another level, another sort of chapter when it when it says, it says loading, so it, oh, okay. it loads. But that gives you a little. You, I kind of like those bits though because it saves, and if you die, yeah. you go back to that sort of save point. Mm. So it's kind of like a checkpoint, but not really. So you kind of know as you progress, oh, I've got to another certain bit. Before Half Life, first person, first person shoot, first person shooters even were literally seven to ten. You went around shooting bad guys. Yeah, what? Half-Life took, I think, to another level was the puzzle elements. You know, there's 
jumping puzzles. There's little bits here we have to open up, and turn on different buttons and switches, and it's it, the the mechanics, the physics of the game are incredible. I don't know who worked on the game, but they deserve a lot of praise. They they took the original first person shooter and, and t almost add another genre to it, another sort of platforming genre to it, and it worked really really well. It was new at the time. Well, it's like for for any um, any kind of genre to evolve. Yeah, you know, you have to bring more to it, and so they brought like the puzzle element and that's right. the story element, like you said. So it's and just like an evolution of the first-person shooter. It really, that's why it's such an important, important game. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there's one bit where you can turn on a steam valve and it can kill, it can spray uh, hot steam at, at enemies. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you can't just, you can kill enemies not just with your weapons. There's other ways as well. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. There are some bosses as well, kind of conventional bosses. Um, they're, they're pretty good as well and that kind of defines kind of the end of the chapter um, what kind of bosses are we talking considering it's an interdimensional invasion <laughs> well I'll come to the exact plot in a bit more detail later but most of the bosses well I think pretty much all the bosses really are uh, maybe apart from one one of them truthfully is, is aliens huge aliens and I'm, I'll come to those later if that's right Rob but it's, it's yep. quite interesting um, jump in later on you pick up I should have mentioned actually, guys, when you get off the train, you're running late. <clears throat> and luckily for you, you've got a good old mate there, security guard, he takes you into all Gordon, you're running late, better get down quickly. And the first sort of five, 15 minutes, you're just walking around this kind of scientific area. No, no, no killing, you haven't got any weapons, you're walking around, you go into your locker room, you open your locker, and you see your HEV suit, which is basically a radioactive suit, and it looks pretty cool. It, it just gives you a bit more armour as well. And then eventually. Um, you go down to, to, to this experiment. Are you ready for this, guys? So you, I'll give you a bit more depth about the plot, if that's all right. You arrive late for work at 8.47. Ooh, what time are you supposed to be? Well, then? we don't know, I don't think. But he arrives late at 8.47 at the Black Mesa Research <coughs> Facility. Obviously, <coughs> good old Gordon, he's a smart cookie. He uses the advanced uh, train system to get through the facility as quick as possible and get to where he has to be. He arrives at the lab... He's informed by the security officer that, this is, that the scientists have a special experiment going today. You better be quick. You don't, mm -hmm. don't want to miss it. And you have to walk around, talk to the different scientists, work out where you have to go. Uh, quite a few of them are quite snappy. You've actually like, go on, I haven't got time to speak. and Go <laughs> this way. But eventually they say, you must go this way. And they point you in the right direction. You get into your locker room, like I said before. Um, you then go down to the lower levels, find the lab. And you are instructed, basically, it's quite a tough job, actually. You're instructed to enter this huge sort of chamber. And I think it's to do with, um, you've got to push this specimen. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Yeah, you push the thing into the middle of the... Into the beam. Into the I beam. think it's, it's like a, a, a portal, it's basically. It's like a trolley. Something's on a trolley, isn't it? You have to actually physically push the, mm. the trolley into the beam. And unfortunately, uh, as soon as this specimen enters the beam, uh, there's a huge explosion. And again... You'd think when there's an explosion, it might just be a cutscene, but you physically have to run around and make sure you dodge the fires. And then... So really, Gordon's caused that whole thing. Yeah, he did. And he caused this <laughs> portal to open up between Earth and a dimension called <laughs> Zen. An alien <laughs> planet. And this portal... And God, it's so incredible. When you first... When you first open this beam and put this specimen into the beam, you're, you're transported to Zen. This, I'll come to it later, this planet Zen. And you can physically walk around the planet only for about 30 seconds. And you see all these aliens around you. And they're looking at you going, who is this crazy guy? And you're thinking, where have I gone? Then this little, you go into another area of the, of the, of the uh, planet and eventually you come back to where, where, where you came from. And the whole lab is on fire. You know, there have been earthquakes and explosions. And you, you get out of there quickly. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, it goes black, lots of flashing, and then you finally, you finally wake up, um, and like I said, you're in ruins, and you, you, you quickly jump out of the, the lab, and you see lots of scientists on the floor, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot died, unfortunately, and you very quickly pick up the good old crowbar, the infamous crowbar, which is very, very useful. Throughout the, throughout the levels, you, you, you find survivors, some of them will follow you. You can actually talk to survivors and talk to scientists and the security guards and they follow you. They say, oh, I'll come with you. Yes, follow me. And if you, if you bring a security guard with you and you come across any bad guys, what do they do? They help you out. They help you out. They, they help shoot the bad guys. Um, 
the first aliens you come across these little kind of almost like face hugger things yeah, like, like fat like little they're crawling on the ground yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, you're they're, like, they're, yeah they're quite cool they jump around they're quite hard to shoot like things in House of the Dead yeah, yeah those little groups they're exactly like those things in House of the Dead exactly it is great and as you go forwards, you pick up the hat, the, the pistol, then you pick up the shotgun. And guys, what I like about it is, yes, you have to fight aliens. And just, about pretty about an hour into the game, you come across soldiers. That's good, right? They, yeah, they come to help. Yeah, save the uh, day. No, 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 no. Oh. These soldiers have been given the clear instructions that no one has to know about this this incident. Oh, <laughs> we need to wipe out everything, okay. aliens, humans included. So any scientists, oh wow, you can follow. They want to kill you. Um, so actually, that's why I think the game is so clever. There's n- humans, your enemy, alongside the aliens. It's so great, and obviously different skills uh, to attack each of those uh, types of enemies. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, guys, you travel to... Basically, you need to get out of this facility. That is the whole point. You need to get out of this facility. Uh, lots of lots of hurdles. You've got to set up a rocket as well. There's a little train, a little, little train you've got to get on later as well, which is really cool. Uh, you have to use an age railroad system to, to get to this uh, launch pad. The Black Ops soldiers are pretty tough, actually, but, but as you kill them, you can get their weapons. It is absolutely, absolutely incredible game. Um, guys... This is the best bit, though. You 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 get to this war zone area where, where it's all, all hell is broken loose, and the aliens are attacking the the black ops, and you kind of sneak through as best you can. And uh, there's airstrikes going on as well. And eventually, eventually, you 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 think the game would have finished it, but you get the opportunity to to you have to actually go to Zen to uh, to kill the alien boss. You have to complete your mission and kill Zen. It's absolutely great, and there's still about a third of the game left hmm. um, really really cool really cool what's the alien boss like? the final one the well I, I guess in the zen dimension yeah, is zen dimension? the zen dimension the planet wherever it is there is one final boss is um, it Zool? <laughs> is it Zool? was it Zool from, the zen, from the zen dimension? <laughs> I I'm trying to find the name of it now I can't, I'll come back to that in a minute there is no Dana <laughs> yeah um Oh, the final boss, and I, ha- I completed it once as a kid. It's a tough game, actually. It's a tough game. And you, you, you come across, uh, you're in this massive cave, and you fight this massive, huge beast. I think it's called a uh, Nihililamp. Nihililamp. And it's oh, a, yeah. It's, it's an ugly-looking kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. With, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar oh, yeah. with it. Sounds really Lovecraftian. Nihililamp. Nihililamp. And you, you have to shoot different things coming down. It's this huge kind of... This is almost like an overgrown sort of... Baby thing, ugly yeah. baby, baby thing that kind of floats in the air. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. It sounds really Lovecraftian. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Once you finally kill this boss, and, and, and there's a big explosion, you get knocked unconscious. When you finally wake up, you, you you've been stripped to your weapons, and you find standing in front of you the G-Man. 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 The G-Man, <clears throat> and it's this this gentleman. Uh, with a sort of grey sort of skin and hollow eyes this human um, and he's been apparently he's been watching over Gordon throughout he's been watching you and what do, what do you reckon the G stands for in G-Man where was he watching him from well that's a good I don't know actually is he like the cigarette smoking man in he's a the X-Files gangster man he's just always watching well I gangster think man. the government man like G-Funk Keith's got it the government man okay this mm. big this big man who's overseeing everything, he's been watching you carefully, and he comes back in the future Half-Life games, he comes back in the spin-off episodes and so forth in the future, he's, he's a creepy-looking guy. There's lots of debates whether he's human or not, we're not totally sure, he might be some sort of alien himself. But he, he basically uh, gives you a choice at the end. He, he, he basically says, um, you can eat... You're on the train again, basically. That's how, how you start the game, how you finish the game, exactly. You're on the train again, he says... You can either work with me, or you can die. No. And, and if, if, to work with me, you have to you have to leave the train. And once you leave the train, that's that's it. You, apparently, I think the, the game soon says you've been hired by the G-Man, and it's sort of game over. And it's absolutely incredible. I, I what, what, you what, what would no? you do? What if you say screw you, you, G-Man? So if you say no, I I know what happens. Well, you I, I do, no yeah, if you G-Man. refuse, if you refuse, what happens? You remember? Yeah, I think it's something very similar to what happens at the end of Halo Reach. Explain. 
Um, so firstly, correction, Bungie were actually in existence since 91. So Halo wasn't there. Yeah, way off. <laughs> so that was, I just um, magically found that out whilst you were talking. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the, the end of Halo Reach is mm. you, save, you save everyone and then you're stuck on the planet helpless against hordes and hordes of aliens and they kill you mm. oh. but uh, that is one of the best endings to a game ever and I don't know Half-Life is the same if you refuse you're teleported to an area full of enemies and I think it's impossible to kill them all they'll just keep coming they just and, keep, and and I, think, yeah. I think Halo Reach ripped that off <laughs> so basically, well, it sounds like it doesn't it yeah <laughs> I think they did um the enemies, I like the enemies in this game. The 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 the, the aliens were the little sort of face huggers called head crabs, and they're cool. They're quite hard head to crabs. They're fast. They're quick. <laughs> they jump around. You used to be quite good at the aliens. Yeah, they're called head crabs. Why why do you think they're called head crabs? Because they've got another element to them. Actually, what are they aiming for? What are they trying to do? Get your brain. They're looking to jump on humans' heads and attach themselves to humans. Uh, and implant their embryos, and if they they attach on a human's head, you, they almost control humans like a zombie. Crab yeah? people, crab people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and these are called head crab zombies. Believe it or not. <laughs> no, it sounds like they ripped it off from DC. I think. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's like, ripping off each other. Get, yeah. Get, tell no tell me a truly, ideas, tell me, tell me a truly like, original idea, yeah. and I'll tell you a lie. The whole brother eye storyline, like where this okay. kind of evil computer. I think it's an evil computer. It's a long time since I read this. Like decides to, or is it the Omax or something? I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Basically, like he kind of implants these robot spider things on people's faces, and they're like yeah. zombies. Okay. Everyone's ripping off each other. But other aliens you come across? There's something called a, a Vortigaunt, and these are tall, quite tall alien creatures from Zen, and they've got a big, they're brown, brown aliens with large orange eyes. And actually, they're they're hostile in this game. But in some future Half-Life uh, games and spin-offs, some of them are quite nice, actually. I think a little bit like Another World Aliens. There's some good and bad ones nice. of these. And one just of my, like people. Just like people. <laughs> one, one of my favourite enemies is the, the Gonarchs. The Gonarchs. The Gonarchs, even. And basically, apparently, a developer at Valve asked, why don't you just put a giant testicle on a 20-foot-tall armoured spider? <laughs> <laughs> these things are great. Um, they're, they're huge. They're like walking spiders and huge legs. And I just remember, it's not, it's not really in Half-Life, but in Half-Life 2, I think Episode 2, uh, sort of add-on pack, you basically have to run around in this Jeep and shoot loads of these, these going off. So you kind of want to hurt them, but you kind of don't at the same They're time. They're kind of cool. Um, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, right, yeah. I get it now. <laughs> right. And like I said, guys, there's also humans after you, Marines. They're, they're pretty hard, they're pretty heavy guys as well. Um, I like it. It's, that's what I like about this game. It's just... So original at the time. What inspired Half Life? I know you, you've got your. There's actually there is some inspiration for it. So the the the, the actual um, original. Well, Gabe Newell, the person that's. I think there would have been big DC fans. Big DC fans, but he's apparently was inspired by a Stephen King novel. On on the any ideas? Uh, I should know this because I read all the Stephen King. Or a novella. It's going to be precise. Oh, um, it's going to be hmm. hard then. Pick out novella. Tommy Knockers. No. Not, um, mm, not stand. Apparently inspired by the mist. Never read that. Mm. Okay, well there you go. I haven't either, truthfully. Mm. But there you go. How did Half Life change the first-person shooter landscape? I've got a few bullet points here. A few ideas. Mm. Um, Any ideas for Ryan Rattle for these? They these were pretty frantic before then. Like you mentioned, like yeah. Quake and Doom and yeah. Duke Nukem. They're all kind of frantic, just full was, on. Yeah, it was yeah. basically just. It was a bit like first-person Smash TV. Yeah. That was, that, yeah, yeah. That was first-person shooters yeah. before. Yeah, I think we kind of touched on it before. The story element, you have puzzle to, element. You have to walk around for 20 minutes before you can kill anything. Yeah, but yeah. the way they do it, you kind, of, you kind of hold with it. Like, even the first time I played Half-Life, must have been about 16, 17. And that bit, you'd think the kids of today would go, what the hell is this, man? I want to go outside. But it's like it's long that, but it the way it kind of just draws you in. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. That's kind of common now, though, isn't it? Yeah. You get long, quite often, get long sections of game before you yeah. actually start controlling anything. Yeah. Again, though, as part of the story, it, you know, it gets you involved into the game world. Yeah, mm. I think so. These 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 are more like things that 
were introduced at Half-Life and now are almost commonplace. So the, the between episode text which, which appears then sort of fades away. And that's a little thing but that's something that mm. they bought into it which for me is quite clever. There's a training segment at the start as well mm. which, 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 which comes up very often now training segment of the game. Pretty new at the time. There's also um, blood splatters and other persistent stains. So if you mm-hmm. if you shoot the bad guys, you can see blood appear on, on the. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Do you yeah, understand yeah. that? Again, quite a new thing actually. Um, also, speech as well. You can actually interact with other other mm-hmm. other people and get them along, helping you and talk to them. Well, they had different personalities. Quite simple personalities, truthfully, but again, quite quite original at the time. Uh, also, weaponry, which you need to manually reload. Between magazine changes, you had to press the R Imagine button. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and yeah, constant playthrough. The levels directly connect to each other, which is which I think is great. Does, do you know any of the uh, the add-ons for Half Life? Mm. Not quite. We spoke briefly about Half Life Two before Half Life Two. There's some add-ons. Never. Never. Hold on. Yeah. What about Half Life Blue Shift? Ah. Well, <laughs> now, now actually, I'll, I'll says say, Kev. Using the uh, well, the, the well, Dreamcast. Can I talk about the Olympics? There's one before that. Oh yeah, sure. I there's there's two add-ons for Half-Life. The first one is Opposing Force, and that was released in 1999. And again, I, I think it's a PC game only. And you are not playing as Doctor Gordon Freeman. You are playing mm. as Adrian Shepard. Adrian, hey. good old Adrian Shepard. Hey. And actually, he's playing as a Marine. You're a Marine from his point of view. How cool is that? Yeah. That's cool. It is so good. And you're, you've been sent to cover up the evidence of the incident. You have to kill the scientists, <gasps> the enemy, kill the aliens. It's it's so, you know, it just takes the game from a different angle, isn't it? Mm. It's not quite as long as Half Life. The, the original Half Life is about sort of 19 kind of chapters as such. This has got about 11, but not bad for the mm-hmm. price. It cost, you know, about 20 or quid for that. And, uh, yeah, as, as Keith said, there was a, a, a blue ship <laughs> port, which was supposed to be exclusive to the Dreamcast. No way. It was. Exclusive only for the Dreamcast. But basically, because the, the Dreamcast version was never supposed to be released, they made this, this game called Blue Shift, and they thought, well, we made a game now, let's put it on the PC. Aww. And what I like... So, look, I, I, you, you play as a scientist, you can play as a marine. Who else haven't you played as yet? The aliens. That's not it. Oh. <laughs> I mentioned One of the scientists? Well, you can argue Dr. Gordon's Green. Science. Who else can you, who else can you use in the game? The uh, D-Man. That'd be brilliant, but no, it's not the D-Man. They're like security staff. Brilliant. brilliant. You play as a security guard. It's so, so great. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. And your name is Barney Calhoun. Barney, Good old Barney. And he just wants to be oh. safe. His mission is simple. Get out of this place alive. You know, <laughs> it's simple. And it, it's so good. And, you know... I've been playing. I've been playing the uh, add-ons as well recently. They're, they're they're just as fun as the original Half-Life. Really, really, really good. Um, also, I mentioned earlier, guys. It was released on the PS2. There was something called Half-Life DK, which was another expansion. Um, I think it's a bell. I don't know why. I think it's a more co- I haven't played it truthfully. It's more of a cooperative gameplay element where two players can solve puzzles and fight against the many foes in the Half-Life universe. Hey, not a bad little add-on. Mm. I think that's quite nice, isn't it? Trying to add a bit more to the console games. Yeah, yeah. Why not? You know, I like that. Fans, okay, it's not an exclu- a proper official release, but fans have made a remake of Half-Life called Black Mesa in 2012, and this uses the the latest Source engine. I'm talking top graphics. You know, I played Unreal it. Engine. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, well, the one they used. Well, yeah, for the Counter Strike. Uh, yeah, the most recent Counter Strike. But it's really, really good. Um, yeah, uh, Valve not made by Valve, but they are fully, fully supported about it as well. Um, Half Life Two eventually re- it was announced in two thousand and three, released in two thousand and four. Absolutely great game, but I'm not going to talk about it today. We'll save that for another pod. And actually, there was a Half Life Two game, a survivor game. Which is a Japanese-only arcade game. Oh. And you, you control two joysticks and pedals, and you're moving around shooting oh, the bad that guys. Oh, right up my street. I, I've hmm. looked on YouTube. It looks incredible. It looks just a proper ratchet shooting. Well, what's it called? Half Life. Half Life Two Survivor. Survivor. It looks great. I'd nice. so love to play oh, that. Heart of gaming, get one. Yeah. You know what? It does look that good. It does look. <laughs> I'd love to play it. Right. A few facts now. Are you ready for this? A few bit of trivia. When they released uh, Half Life, what do you think? The German version was like. What do you reckon they did to Half Life? <laughs> German version. What, are they a fan of blood yeah. in those early, sort of late nineties? No, 90s no they wanted to censor everything. Mm-hmm. So they they turned all the human soldiers into robots. 
<laughs> if you shoot, if you shoot a scientist a security guard, oh, they just sit on the ground. <laughs> Blood splatters from humans were coloured yellow. Um, so it looks like they've urinated up the wall. It looks like it, doesn't it? Very nice. See how polite I was then. <laughs> right, a few more. I like this. Uh, the glue on guns entity name. So kind of almost like the sort of slang name for the gun. It was the weapon Egon. And that was reference to Ghostbusters. 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 Yeah, there you go. So there you go, little there. Nice. Um, Apparently, Gordon Freeman's original name was Ivan the Space Biker. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad they changed that. And he had a beard. Ivan the Space Biker. I think that's maybe what the the ponytail possibly. See, there's the DC thing comes in. That's basically Lobo. Lobo, really? Lobo is like the space biker bounty hunter who's always going around fighting with Superman. I love DC. Rain Man. Probably my favourite facts, actually. I should probably say it's a laugh My favourite fact. This is apparently one of Quentin Tarantino's favourite video games of all time. And apparently, he has stated that he, he would like to one day actually make it into a film. Hmm? Do it, Quentin. We'll, we'll <laughs> run a Kickstarter. Wow. We'll, we'll chip in a fiver. I, I would love to see that. And, you know, that's high praise, isn't it? If Tarantino <laughs> likes your game, I think he's pretty much <laughs> done a good job. I can't yeah. imagine Tarantino working with that material that well, though. I don't know if it could transfer to a film very well because it's it's quite solitary, a lot of jumping around, shoot. You know, I can the storyline. Even though it's a really good story, I think because you're immersed in it yourself, it's a bit different. Hey, if anyone can turn it into a good film, Tarantino, right? I think Tarantino is more of a Red Rock. Is it Red Rock Redemption? Oh yeah, Red Dead yeah. Redemption. Red, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and because uh, like apparently um, the guy did District Nine, uh, Nell Blomkamp was meant to be doing a Halo game. That okay. never actually film. Yeah, I heard about so that. Like film. Yeah, yeah. It really it came to yeah. I mean, there's some sort of half-cocked Halo featurey type films. Yeah, there's been some like CG CGI ones. ones yeah, yeah. Neil Blomkamp should should do one. Guys, just do these films. Come Dun- on. Maybe Duncan Jones, the guy who did like Moon and um, I Love Moon. Yeah, could have done it's Half Life, but he's already ruined his rep with World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you want another movie slash trivia Half-Life facts? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, please. What is, or what was, I should say, a bit of a sad story, really, but what was Robin Williams' favourite video game of all time? Oh, the Zelda. Zelda. You would think Zelda game. He's a huge Zelda fan. He, he called his daughter <clears throat> Zelda, didn't he, to be fair? But did he really? I didn't know yeah, that. That's no. true. But apparently his favourite just game on its own, I know he loves the Zelda series, obviously, but it was uh, it was Half-Life 2. So it's more of a Half-Life 2 fact, truthfully. <laughs> but I'm sure he liked Half-Life as well. That's a nice little fact. And apparently he was lined up uh, as, as a possible voiceover for future games. If they made a Half-Life 3, mm. he, was, he was apparently oh. really more, than, more than willing and able to be one of the voice actors. But nice. it's, I guess we'll never see that happen, unfortunately. Mm. The names in the lockers, I told you that locker scene when you first start the game, the names in the lockers are names of people who made the game. So you can go around, there's obviously G Freeman, Gordon Freeman, and uh, yeah, so that's a little, no, that's great, isn't it? You'd put your name on there, wouldn't you? Ah, uh, oh, I like this one. What, there's, there's a number of security doors in the game, and one of them says security 7G. Who works in sector 7G? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that is brilliant. Little nice. homage to, to the nuclear power plant Simpsons there. Love there that. you go. Gordon Freeman says no words throughout the game ever. There you no. go. He's a silent man, a bit like Link. Doesn't that talk? Yeah. Doesn't talk. And like I said, guys, he does have a ponytail. This can be revealed in the third person mode, but it, it, is, it has been chopped off by Half Life 2. No. But there you go. Mm. So many awards. This game. Like I said, guys, was off the charts of PC game awards. It won ridiculous amount of awards. Um, it, it, I think personally, it laid the groundwork for for many, many, arguably all future first-person shooter games. It's so fun. It's so good. That it's still playable today. Truthfully, I'm playing the sort of Half-Life Source version, so it's been upgraded graphics. So it's not quite the original, but it's. I would highly recommend it. It's dirt cheap on Steam. I, I picked up the PS2 for a pound. I saw it in the charity shop for a pound. I might as well get it. Hmm. Um, I've got a dodgy version of the Dreamcast, <laughs> as you know. Which I'm now going to yeah, enjoy this evening. Give yeah. it a go. See what people play a bit of Opposing Force, maybe. Do you know what game oh, actually shit, sorry, yeah. reminded me the most of when I was kind of looking at Clips as Portal? Yeah. Well, who made Portal? Is it the same? It's about about about, yeah. 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 Do you know what? I never got into Portal. I, I appreciate it's the, okay yeah it wasn't a gaffle I mm-hmm. love this game but I never really got into it mm. you know? I've not tried it it doesn't 
don't know. Yeah. Something about it. It's quite, I, like, I like the puzzle element. Like, you've stupid. got to go through this pool to get up there and go over here. Oh, he's freaking yeah. clever. It's clearly very clever, yeah. It's mm. clever, but you know what, me and current gen games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first portal was quite old, truthfully, but there you go. Yeah, I played. The, what's the one I played lately? Portal 2. Portal 2. Yeah, it was alright. Right. Half Life Top, one of my favourite games of all time. And actually, it, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there, because I remember um, when my Half Life 2 disc broke my PC, no. I had to buy another Half Life 2, a Half Life disc, sorry, just as first Half Life. And I didn't buy it for Half Life. Why would I buy Half Life, the game again? Because uh, it breaks. What? Any ideas? Because of a certain add on game. Because of a certain mod <laughs> that has now turned into a certain game that I love. <laughs> wow. Counter-Strike. Boom. Counter-Strike CS. Brilliant. You know, it was, I spoke earlier in the Duke episode about me playing multiplayer with Usman. Connecting <laughs> up. It <laughs> wasn't was really million. multiplayer, was it? it? And actually, I didn't, I didn't mention this, but I, we had two PCs at the time, some really old, slow PC, and this half-decent PC, and we used to connect. I think it was a LAN cable, the two yeah, PCs. LAN party. To play Doom. To play Doom multiplayer. And to make, to make the... the one of the Doom games work on the old PC, you had to put the screen down to the smallest bit. So it's almost like a matchbox <laughs> A little size. window in there. Honestly, it's the only way to play the game. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I was getting into this multi oh, first-person shooters, but Counter-Strike was probably the first first-person shooter game that, that, that really, really properly introduced me to, to online play. Absolutely. I still play it today. I'm not very good at the game. Um, it was co-created by a certain Ming Lee. His, his nickname is Gooseman, <laughs> and he's very kindly given a, a nice interview on Arcade Attack. So yeah, please yeah. Yeah, check it out. Listeners, go and have a look at the website. Yeah, it's it's a game. Um, I think it was first sort of developed in 1999. It's um, a very simple game, really, in a way, in a nutshell. You, you, you're either in one of two teams, terrorists or counter-terrorists, and it's quite a simple uh, sort of mission as such. Whoever survives wins. Does that make sense? So if you're on the if, obviously if you're in the counter terrorist, you've got to take up terrorists and vice versa. But there's also hostages you might have to save. There's also bombs you might have to plant or defuse, depending on what team you're on, obviously. And it's it's quick, it's fast. It, it, you can play each level lasts about five minutes. So I, I die quite soon. I was, <laughs> obviously, you can watch who will play what's happening, but I will play straight again. And it's one of those games where. I must have put hours in. Me and my brothers put hours and hours and I hours remember in. playing that around your house yeah. when we were about 17, 18. It's an addictive little number. And I remember trying it. Uh, yep, died. Okay, respawn. <laughs> uh, no, 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 okay, just give up. But yeah. yeah, it was very impressive. Very impressive. And actually, it's one of those games where if you don't play it for a while, you get very bad at it quickly. You have to keep <laughs> playing it. Um, it was initially made as a mod for Half-Life, and it was, de- it was designed by Ming Lee and Jess Cliff Cliff, apparently. That's his nickname, Cliff. Um, but actually when they were making this mod it became ridiculously popular and Valve they saw how good this game was and they Valve they could have got a bit snooty couldn't they about it but they said no we like what you're doing how can we help and they helped develop this extra add-on this additional game um, and he, read the interview but basically uh, Ming was making this game in his last year of university and he basically admitted that his grades suffered because of it. <laughs> you imagine? I think he's made a few more quid than he would have done through anything through uni, so I think he's all right. I think he's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah. So, it was, sorry. I was going to ask, like, which country was this going on in? Because I know, like, I remember I think Counter-Strike got super popular in Korea. I think I you're think, right. First of all. I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's huge around the world. I know it's, well, I'll talk about the esports scene later, but it's so popular around the world. Uh, so it was first sort of developed in 1999. It got its proper release in 2000, the proper finished caboodle. And you know, later it was available on the Xbox, believe it or not. How cool was that? How cool was that? Um, there was a few follow-ups as well. Counter-Strike Condition Zero, that was made by Turtle Rock Studios. I don't think that was particularly good. Later the same year, Counter-Strike Source came out, and that's obviously the sort of upgraded graphics, same game, slightly more refined. Um, really, really top, top-notch. And the most recent version, the fourth sort of game in the series, is Counter-Strike Global Offensive. And it's, it's really quite a polished game. When did that come out? 2012. Okay. And again, that's also available on Xbox 360. And that is, I know you said you're going to talk about it, but that is still what they're playing, yeah. the eSports tournaments oh, the, yeah. around the world. Amazing. So yeah, Xbox 360, PS3, and obviously Steam via Windows. Mm. Brilliant game. I, I've got it now. I, 
I'm so bad at NL though. <laughs> I, I I die straight away, and you know it's it is so so good. And people have made spin-off versions of Counter Strike. I remember playing like a, a Simpsons level, and they someone had changed all, all the, <laughs> the buildings to Simpsons levels. And I think someone developed this kind of Warcraft strategy game where you can sort of level up throughout the game and get <laughs> special magic powers. <laughs> and it's Peter's the mod scene was huge, and this is arguably the most important mod game of the PC generation. You could argue it's so popular even today. Um. 25 million copies have been sold of this game. 25 wow, million. Was that? You know? It's massive. Apparently, it's one of the biggest games on Twitch. We, we're not Twitch. It's people mm, watching. Yeah, yeah they stream me. They live stream it is, it is still one of the most played games on Steam. You know? Mm. And there is some ridiculously, I'm talking stupendously competitive scene for the esports. Yeah. Some of these, they're making huge money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's their jobs. Mm. I've seen it. And they, 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 they have their little team and they sit in a bedroom somewhere mm. practicing for like 12 hours a day mm. they wake up they play yeah oh, they go to sleep but then they go to the and then they win big money I'm not going to say any names but I emailed a few of them I thought it would be nice to get an interview and said too busy too busy too busy, too busy. Time interview. like whoa these guys are serious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some great maps in the game Aztec Dust Inferno some infamous maps you know there's it's brilliant and what I like about it is it's always quite fair as well no one's got the big advantage you have to sort of work as a team I used to like as I wasn't particularly good at the game I used to kind of just uh, walk just behind one of my friends and uh, if he got shot <laughs> I'd hope he'd dodge behind and shoot the bad guy nice. um, obviously you have to be very headshots all about headshots in Counter-Strike as well you have to be very careful about the, and the recoil as well so addictive I'm not playing Counter-Strike with you um, like I said I, I used to be good back in the day but not no way as good as I used to be weapons are great as well there's knives AK-47s automatic rifles snipers you know people camping out and stuff that does happen um, it is easy to pick up and play but very hard to, to become brilliant and to become a, a legendary esports player CS player must take years to get that good um, Ming Lee was voted by IGN as one of the, the top 100 most important game developers of all time. You know, this wow. this guy at uni that was developing this game on the side, he is regarded as, well, he's up there. Him yeah. and his mate Cliff create such, a, such an iconic game. Do you want to hear some facts slash a bit of controversy? Because I, I, I'm a fan of Counter-Strike, but it has had a bit of controversy over the years. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. One gamer, I think a French gamer, got so mad in the online game of Counter-Strike uh, with a virtual knife fight, he, he, he lost the virtual knife fight that he he found out the person that killed him on the game and actually stalked him in real life it took him six months around to stalk him and actually stabbed him oh yeah. man like, it's a sad story. luckily the man survived it, apparently he was like an inch away from his heart <clears throat> but this guy's That's, in jail now but oh the, the, the amount of anger crazy people out there no <clears throat> um, another quite controversial story is uh, an American gamer American student actually designed his school in a Counter-Strike map oh <laughs> so it wasn't probably the best idea and no. things have been happening already. That's Poor taste. Poor, he was excluded. I think it was more worried that it might be a practice simulation. Well, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't do that, guys. Feel free to make maps, but we wouldn't recommend that. No, no. Um, match fixing. Apparently. No. Yeah. Apparently some esports teams God. have been accused of taking money to play rubbish in follow-up matches. Oh, yeah, what? real And actually, it's, apparently... It's been proven and large amounts of money have been thrown around on this. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. And a, I suppose a, it's quite hard to prove, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I suppose it would be. Drug testing. Apparently, some some people are so good that uh, uh, opponents have accused them of having, having steroids and so forth playing the game. <laughs> you know, how ridiculous is that? So, are you not allowed steroids in esports? Well, Surely no. it's less steroids and more stuff like Ritalin type drugs to make yeah. you focus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not steroids. Yeah, I think it's more sort of, well, alertness and whatever. Mm. Right. This is probably my favourite fact of Counter Strike. Have you heard of a football player called Stuart Holden? Yeah, yeah, Bolton. Paper Bolton. Yeah. American guy. Yeah, American. He's a retired professional footballer. He's quite a big TV sports uh, pundit now on Fox News. Mm. He played for Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday, and Houston Dynamo. But apparently, before his soccer career, he was a professional Counter Strike player. Huh. <laughs> I did not know wow. he was that. He's a cool bloke. And apparently, um, he, I think that fact has been proven, but he doesn't like it. So if you put it on Wikipedia, he's deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's good evidence. Uh, why? I don't think. Again, I. 
I'm not completely sure, but I'm pretty sure that is a, a real fact, but he's not proud about that past. Why, why would you not be proud? Stop deleting it, Stuart. <laughs> we, we love you, it's okay. And I think Rob would like this fact the best. In, in Sweden, McDonald's actually changed their name on their burgers um, for, for, after their country's CS team. Uh, I think it was for Ninjas in Pajamas, this big, big esports uh, council team, to the McNip Burger. Ninjas in Pajamas, McNip. Would you order a McNip from McDonald's? <laughs> Sounds a bit racist. <laughs> well, I'm sure it wasn't supposed to be. Uh, um, moving on swiftly. I mean, like, you know, like, because I've, sp- I've been in Australia a while. Obviously, they call Burger King Hungry Jacks over there. Mm. But I think they don't call McDonald's McDonald's there anymore. Oh, really? They call it Maccas. <laughs> Maccas. They've actually Only changed Maccas. the name of it. Maccas. Maccas. I know. The- I don't mind Hungry Jacks. Anyway, good old and we, we've mentioned Mingley as well. He's, he's, he's partner in crime. Good old Jeff Cliff. Um, I think because the budgets were quite low when they first made the game, he also did all the recorded radio commands. So if you play Counter Strike, I'm sure people go, "Well, we'll, we'll recognise these and things like the bomb has been defused," or "Go, go, go," or "Okay, let's go." So he actually recorded his voice, and I think only recently they've they've changed the, the voices in in <laughs> Counter Strike. So. Why did they change them? Uh, they try to make it, I think they try to make it a little bit more kind of what group you're on different sort of accents okay. and so forth look Counter-Strike I know it's, it's it started in 2000 it's developed over time it's worth checking out if you want a quick game a multiplayer game a bit of fun uh, you can't really go wrong with Counter-Strike but there you go are the Enjoy. recent ones only available on PC? Uh, I believe no it's on the PS3 and Xbox 360 oh really? Yeah, I believe yeah okay the, the, what I mean, I'm not really. I've never been a big first-person shooter gamer. Yeah. Um, I pl- the only one I really played and enjoyed was Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like a lot of people. And the older, older like Medal of Honor games, oh, yeah, PS2 sure. era stuff. Um, what set, having never played it, what sets Counter Strike apart from like a recent Call of Duty? I think why it's... why do they still play a five year old game in esports rather than like the latest Call of Duty? Do you know what I think? Because they update the game often. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they always obviously there's new versions, but they often have updates. And the mod scene on the side is huge. People always develop new maps, and I think it's just a simple, all-round addictive game where any Tom, Dick, or Harry can play it and get their head around it. But you want to get good at it, and you and what I like about it is you, it's like a league table. So once you get a few a few kills, you go up and you think, oh, that's pretty good. And all of a sudden, you go to a new map and like oh, that's interesting. And it gets really quite competitive. And I I. Not really a fan of modern warfare games, truthfully. It's not mm. really my cup of tea. But I suppose Counter Strike is very similar. I just think it's a little bit more, just more playable, a bit simpler. You just pick up a gun, run around, work as a team, and every every level's different. You, you, if you die, you play the same map again, let's say. But it always feels a bit different. I'll go in that mm. direction. Why don't I go this way? This guy's got. Do you understand? There's always different ways to, to 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 play the maps, and I I just think it's nostalgia for me as well. I remember going. Yeah. Oh, I remember playing this game. Back in the, this map, back in two thousand, it's a bit more updated now, a bit smoother, but it brings back good memories for me. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out. Cool. So yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed that Half Life, Counter Strike, two two top PC games for me. I'm sure we can all agree it's helped pave the way for future games. And uh, well, I'll speak to you soon.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10s, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and from SoundCloud and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.